In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, Amen. My Lord and my God, I firmly believe that you are here, that you see me, that you hear me. I adore you with profound reverence. I ask your pardon for my sins and the grace to make this time of prayer fruitful. My Immaculate Mother, Saint Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. As I'm sure you know, today is the great solemnity of the Assumption of the Blessed Virgin Mary, a solemnity that was officially declared as a dogma of the Church in 1950 by Pope Pius XII. It was officially declared as a dogma, but it had been believed really right from the very beginning of the Church. It's a great, great solemnity today. It's a real occasion for us to rejoice because this image of the Blessed Virgin Mary being assumed into heaven to be with her son, to be, you could say, in the intimacy of the Godhead, all that fits beautifully in the mysterious plan that God has for our salvation. And perhaps we can start by simply doing our prayer with a, a brief passage from St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, where St. Paul mentions something not directly related to Our Lady, but you could say something that is normal. He, let's, how, how can I say? He, he makes reference to a, a normal fact about what happens when we die. And what happens when we die, the first thing that will happen to you and to me, because we will all die, first thing that will happen is that we will know corruption. Our body will go into rigor mortis, uh, who knows what happens after that, but uh, I'd rather not go into it, let's say, right? But it's, the body is dead, so it goes into corruption. So this is what he says, and this is, you could say, how it applies to Jesus, of course, and to our Blessed Mother. He said, when this perishable nature has put on imperishability, when this mortal nature has put on immortality, then the words of Scripture will come true. Death is swallowed up in victory. Death, where is your victory? Death, where is your sting? Now the sting of death is sin, and sin gets its power from the law. So let us thank God for giving us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very famous line, death, 
Where is your sting? Hmm? The sting of death, of course, is the fact that we, have, we die because of sin, and because of that death, we know corruption. Hmm? But today, we picture Mary being taken up into heaven, this beautiful Im image. Sometimes she's shown being taken up into the clouds. Sometimes she's shown lying kind of asleep in the dormition just before she's taken up. But why do we say that death has no victory or death has no, no sting? Well, we know because our Lord Jesus Christ overcame death with his glorious resurrection. He died. He was on the cross. He suffered. And he died. In fact, not only did he die, he gave up his spirit. Now, you and I, we will die. We will be killed by something. We could be killed by COVID, we could be killed by a car accident, uh, a spear to the heart, who knows? But Jesus said, okay, that's it. I think I'm going to die right now. And he died. You know, he says, he gave up his spirit. He decided exactly when it would happen, right? And the devil didn't like that. That really, right? made a lot of uh, made the devil very angry in the famous movie the passion of the christ just as he as he bows his head there's like a a drop that is like a tear from god the father coming down as though it were like a like a teardrop or or a raindrop at the same time coming down in the very moment in which jesus bows his head and that teardrop comes in slow motion and kind of hits the ground and at that moment the devil is like furious because he gave up his spirit but there on the cross he lay dead but did he know corruption did he know like did his body begin to corrupt no because the spirit was still present there with him he was laid in the tomb for three days and after he rose on his own power he said, okay, three days, okay, has that been three days? Yeah, okay, I think I, I will rise right now. On his own power, he rose, and that was his famous glorious resurrection. And, of course, Mary too rose, but not on her power. We say she was transformed or she was assumed by him. You could say, he assumed her to him. Why? Because she was ready in body and in soul. She was ready in body and soul. And why was she ready? Well, because the Blessed Virgin Mary had been prepared for, for well, you could say since the beginning of, uh, of the world, God had prepared her. And the main way he prepared her is with her Immaculate Conception. By a very special privilege, the Blessed Virgin Mary knew no sin. She was conceived without original sin. And so since she had no sin, well, there was no need for her to die or to know corruption. And since she had no sin, God wanted her with him immediately. And, and so, and so that's, that's what the mystery of the, you could say, Our Lady's, the Feast of the Assumption is all about. And the way we sometimes describe the Assumption, 
to explain it. In fact, it was described in this way in the decree that uh, Pope uh, Pius XII uh, put out. It's a decree that was put out in, I believe it was, well, 1950. It's called Munificentissimus Deus. He quoted from some of the fathers of the church in this beautiful document. And uh, the idea that is suggested there is that Mary was assumed because it was fitting. It was fitting. It's kind of like saying it made sense. It was appropriate. It was kind of logical. See, the Immaculate Conception that Our Lady should be born without original sin was a very, very, very special privilege. She had been chosen before the foundation of the world. God said, okay, this woman from Nazareth, I'm going to conceive her without original sin. It'll be a special, special uh, choice. She'll be like the new Eve. Eve also was born without original sin, but she sinned. She sinned. So now she'll be the new Eve. And indeed she did not, she did not, you could say she did not sin all her life. But that was because of the special choice that God had made of her. He had given her special graces, special virtues, special qualities, so that she could be the mother of God. So it was kind of logical that she should also be assumed into heaven. And the word we often hear said by the fathers of the church is, it was fitting. It was appropriate. This is what St. John Damascene, St. John Damascene, he's in the uh, seventh century, so from Damascus, right? So from the east. And he is really the latest father of the church and he represents a kind of uh, bringing together of all previous tradition, right? And he says, because he's really an outstanding herald of all the truth that everybody believed, and he says it with great eloquence. He says that it was fitting that she who had kept her virginity intact in childbirth should keep her own body free from all corruption. By, by that he means the corruption of death. It was fitting that she who had carried the Creator as a child at her breast should dwell in the divine tabernacles. See, she was a tabernacle. We have a tabernacle here. She was a tabernacle in the sense that she kept Jesus in her womb. Her womb was a tabernacle. So it was fitting that she should also go into the tabernacle of heaven. He says, it was fitting that the spouse whom the Father had taken to himself should live in the divine mansions. It was fitting that she who had seen her son upon the cross, who had thereby received in her heart the sword of sorrow, should look upon him as he sits with the Father. It was fitting that God's mother should possess what belongs to her, to her son, and that she should be honored by every creature as the mother and as the handmaid of God. She, see, she looked at Jesus on the cross and she was filled with sorrow. So it was logical, since she looked on Jesus like that, that she should be able to see him enthroned in heaven, seated at the right hand of the Father. It was logical. It's just like 
totally makes sense, right? Now, there are, there are some beautiful passages from Scripture that kind of reveal this. We see it in the book of Revelation in today's Gospel where St. John, uh, he has a vision, tremendous vision, where he sees a woman giving birth, right? And uh, it's, a, it's a scary vision because he sees this woman, she has a star, excuse me, a crown of, uh, of 12 stars, presumably the apostles, right? And she gives birth and, and, and there's a dragon who wants to devour her child, right? And he says that the dragon stood before the woman about to give birth, this is the vision he had, to devour her child when she gave birth. And she gave birth to a son, a male child, destined to rule all the nations with an iron rod. Her child was caught up to God and his throne, and the woman herself fled into the desert where she had a place prepared by God. That's, that's the assumption right there. She was taken up to a place prepared by God. So Mary is now in a place prepared by God. That was the vision that St. John had in the book of Revelation. It's a beautiful, uh, striking image. Now, we don't know exactly how this happened, but we know that St. Josemaria had a great devotion to the Assumption, but in the way that it was represented in some churches, especially in the East and also in Spain in many places, and that was the mystery of the Dormition. So because you have many paintings of Our Lady being taken up into heaven by the angels, they take her up, right? And she's kind of like going on a cloud or something, right? But there's also the Dormition where she kind of falls asleep and she doesn't die, she just falls asleep. And in the Cathedral of Barbastro, which is the town where he lived in his, with his parents, there was a chapel of the Dormition. And he used to love going there and seeing this serene image of Our Lady of the Dormition. In fact, in the central house of Opus Dei, called Villa Tevere in Rome, he had a little chapel built there called the D Chapel of Dormition. You could fit maybe 20, 30 people in there. It's bigger than this, right? And uh, it's, it's, it's beautiful. You see an altar, and then above that, this image of Our Lady lying down, and she's wearing these nice little sandals. They're kind of like flip-flops, but... Uh, but there, it's, very, it's a very serene-looking image. And he loved to go there, and it gave him a lot of peace to see her kind of like that, asleep. That's why he had that built. How did she go to heaven? Well, there's one story you've probably heard uh, that is more like a, a story. It's a tradition, you could say, where the apostles... St. Peter and the Apostles were with Mary and she, she kind of just drifted off and she fell asleep and, well, they realized she was dead. That, that, you know, so they put her in a, in a kind of a, a tomb, a casket, and they were all crying. And, and sometimes this scene is represented like that, right, where all the Apostles are crying and weeping around Mary as they, they lay her down into this kind of a tomb and they close the lid. And just when they close the lid, in comes St. Thomas. And St. Thomas, and uh, they say, Thomas, where were you? I mean, this is a solemn moment. Thomas, 
And Thomas is going, what, 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 what? And they told him, Mother Mary has just died. He goes, oh my God, oh no. And he's very sad. And, and uh, he said, Peter said, oh, Thomas, where were you? You know? And uh, Thomas said, can I see her? I, like, I just want to see her one last time. And Peter says, well, I don't know. We just did something pretty solemn here. You know, we closed the lid. I mean, just close these lids with uh, scotch tape, you know, it's, uh, so um, they said, okay, so they pried open the lid, and they tried to push the lid so they could, he could just get a peek and see Our Lady, and she was gone. She was gone. And sometimes the paintings show the apostles with the, you know, with the body of Our Lady in the tomb there, but above she's being taken up into heaven. And the only thing they, should see, they could see in the tomb was a huge bed of roses. Right? And, it, and this beautiful smell, just beautiful smell came out. And they understood she's gone to be with her son Jesus. And from that moment on, the, the belief was there. And uh, that was because she had made room for the Lord in her soul. And all those steps of her life, right? From the Immaculate Conception, the Annunciation, the Divine Motherhood, she, she gave birth, right? These are all like interconnected milestones that lead us to the assumption that we celebrate today. Right? In which we exalt and praise the Mother of God. So, let us try to, I would say that, try to have a, a lot of hope and conviction that God is waiting for us and is, you could say, Jesus has prepared a place for us just as he prepared a place for our Blessed Mother. Now, she was pure and without sin, but we have sin, right? But think of, think of the story of the prodigal son. The prodigal son who took off, who left his father's house, he committed, I mean, he just lived a disastrous life. He decides to come back and he is forgiven. And what happens? Well, he's given, he's given a new garment. He probably smelled pretty bad, but he's given a new, new garment. He's given new sandals for his feet, a ring, and they kill the fattened calf and they party. And that's what happens to us every time we go to confession. It's kind of like, you know, we're given a new garment. And we're just as good as new. That's, that's the wonderful gift of uh, confession. And perhaps with today's uh, Assumption, Feast of the Assumption, we, well, we can ask Jesus to well, give us the courage to do an apostolate of confession and to give our friends courage and... and you could say confidence that no matter what they've done, it doesn't matter. God always forgives. God is good. God is, he can purify us. He can clean us and he's going to prepare a place for us. So we shouldn't be afraid. Shouldn't be afraid to be sincere in confession and open our hearts. And when we hear those words of absolution, we've got a, like a new garment. We've got sandals on our feet and not plastic flip-flops. They've got little gold things. Anyway, they're nice. It's nice.
that's the symbol of the transformative power of God's grace. And really, what happened to Mary, the Lord wants to do to us as well. Let's ask our Blessed Mother, who, well, who you could say, since she is in God, she can hear us, she knows what we want, she knows our desires, because she's in God, like she's not just like in some distant place, she's in God. She's not God, but she is very close, so she can intercede for us in a very intimate, intimate way. She will intercede for us and help us along our way to prepare ourselves for that place that God wants us to be, to be with Him forever in heaven. I thank you, my God, for the good resolutions, affections, and inspirations you've communicated to me in this meditation. I ask your help to put them into effect. My Immaculate Mother, St. Joseph, my Father and Lord, my Guardian Angel, intercede for me. Sorgente della gioia.